You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, episode 127. And we have lots to talk to you about tonight, but first, it is brought to you by our beautiful, beautiful Patreon patrons. And I thank you all so much for supporting the show. You know who else you can, how else you can sh- support the show if Patreon's not your thing? Please share the podcast or tell a friend about it, somebody that you might think would enjoy the podcast, and that would greatly make my day. Also, the episode is brought to you by GameMat.eu, who sells, guess what, game mats, that's right, and pre-painted terrain, and you can get 10% off the order with Event 10. So, what else are, Event 10's a code, by the way, it's not a website or something, I don't know. Event 10 is what I call my revolver when I go there and rob them for game mats. No, don't, please don't, please don't rob them. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's bad for a relationship is, uh, if you get your advertisers robbed. So what are we talking about this week? We are talking about, we have a special double feature for Tesseract Mailbox because they both pertain to the last episode. So I figured I better write them, I better read them sooner than later. And we also have a want that or want that not with the Plague Marine, Plague Standard Bearer, or whatever his name is. And finally, we discuss how Warhammer has ruined every other game for me. So that is, except for Brutality. Brutality is way better. Shut up. So that is all we're talking about this week. And uh, I kind of blew through that. I don't know why I was like in such a hurry to say it so fast, but that's that's the way it came out. So (laughs) the same could be said for some bowel movements. So. What have I been up to? Um, I painted four really cool Ninja Turtles for Brutality. I ordered them from Etsy. They're resin printed. And um, I wanted to make it like the Ninja Turtles were in the Brutal Realm for a while. So Leonardo has a orc power claw like fused to his arm. And he's got one metal robotic peg leg, which is pretty cool. And a cape and a cowl. And Raphael has this these claw gloves. And uh, that's really neat. He's got a cape and a cowl. And then, trust me, not everybody has a cape and a cow. And Donatello, I didn't have to kit bash at all. He just has these guns on both of his wrists, and he's wearing goggles, which is pretty neat. And Michelangelo is a bard, which I thought was so interesting and fitting. It's like they didn't have magic in their realm, but they they came here, and Michelangelo realized that he had a... Um, an affinity for magic, and now he's a bard, because, you know, he's really charismatic and whatever, and I kept their colors, of course, so I'm really happy with that. I've also been writing short stories for Brutality still. That's been a lot of fun. Um, I think technically it's flash fiction because of the word count, but it's it's still really fun, and I also got my Marienburg land ship in the mail. Um, I think I already mentioned that in another episode, but I've started painting that, my purple, white, and gold colors for my Cities of Sigmar, And I played Brutality this week at the game club. We played the arena, and Connor and Matt made it to the fifth round and died, which is unfortunate. Connor's person made it through round four and five by herself, which is pretty badass. But they failed. And I also played a game of 40k with Just James, and he beat me by, I think, about 10 points, something like that, 8 points. It was a fairly close game, and we were both testing out tournament list. I'm playing Imperial Guard, and he's playing Slanesh and Zinch Demons, 
And we have a tournament we're going to in February with some friends from Shorehammer at his game store. So I'm very excited about that. It's a little thing. It's it's not like a Nova or anything. And I'm really excited about that because usually Burke's Winter Blast from our other Shorehammer buddy, Mike, um, we usually go to that, Beastman, Just James, and I, but it is canceled. So this year we're going to this instead. And this might end up being a new thing that we go to every year. And just James and I and our friend Derek are all going. So I'm very excited for a bro trip. This will be like our only bro trip this year. So that's fun that we're going to actually get to go to do that. And I don't know what else I've been up to. I um, painted the Marienburg Land Bridge. I painted... Oh, I decided I'm going to redo all of my guardsmen. So I've never been the biggest fan of Katachin. And... All of my Imperial Guard, I don't think, I was telling just James, I don't think I've ever bought a brand new model for Guard. It's always been secondhand. I bought lots, and I bought people's leftovers, and I bought all this stuff. So, my army has always been kind of a mishmash of Valhallen, and Katachin, and Cadian, and all that. So, I've decided, you know what, it's about high time. I hate these old Cadian models. They're cartoony. They're terrible. I'm going to get rid of all of my Guard infantry, and I am going to restart over, and I'm going to be using the Orlock Gang from Necromunda. I'm buying four boxes of Orlock Gang from my local store, and I'm these are going to be my new guardsmen. And uh, it works because one out of ten of them has a heavy weapon, so I'm going to make him a heavy weapon squad. You know, he's actually carrying the heavy weapons, which is pretty cool. And I like them because I'm always stuck. I've, I have Katachin models mostly, and... I'm always stuck playing Katachin, and I don't change because of the meta or anything. I would just like to play the cha- change the way I, I can play, and uh, but I'm playing Katachin models, so I really can't take Talarn or any of the others. So what I'm doing is I'm going to use these Orlock models, and they really are a, kind of a nice mix of Katachin and Kadian. They've got a little bit of armor, but they're kind of beefy, and they look really nice. So I'm going to make my brand new own chapter. This will be the fourth army that I'm customizing and making my own. I'm going to downsize. So I only have what I need to play. Just same thing with, I did with my cast space Marines, my Necrons and my Orcs. And I'm just going to have a fun little Imperial guard army. And I'm very excited about all this kit bashing for Orlocks. So that is very exciting. And I am debating, they already come with auto guns, but I have a hard time using or the auto guns because even though or auto guns are the exact same stats as a las gun, I have a problem with it not having the WYSIWYG actual weapons, and I don't want to confuse anybody. So I honestly think I am going to be buying bits for las guns and putting las guns in their hands because I really don't want it to be not WYSIWYG. And if I take it to a tournament or something like that, I want it to be exactly what it it should be. So I think that's about it. Let's get on with the rest of the show. And thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. And remember, tell your friends, share episodes, all of that. Later. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. And we are following a slightly different schedule for the Tesseract mailbox today because we have actually two letters and both of them were kind of pertaining to the last episode so I didn't want to wait a whole nother week just to uh, read both of those so the first one is from one of our Shorehammer buddies John and he says my dearest Pimpcron I enjoyed the conversation you had with just James on whether or not you should base your models 
with a conciliatory, it's your army, do whatever, as a caveat, the truth of the matter is rather nuanced. I like to consider myself a balanced member of the Warhammer community. I try to pay equal efforts towards the three pillars of the hobby, painting, playing, and the lore. And this influences my opinion on the matter. I will save playing for last, as I think it's the most important when it comes to bases. The lore side of me is largely in favor of painting bases. I have headcanon for all of my armies, and I know what types of war zones they can be found in. I base my armies to reflect this. It helps show a narrative for your army outside of a faction's tropes. An army of Catechins that got sent to an urban planet will have a different visual vibe than if they were on some jungle world. The painting side of me is all about painting bases. I like to build display boards for my army, and that doesn't work with unpainted bases. And a well-developed basing scheme can really add to the overall appearance of an army. As they say, faces and bases. <laughs> I've never heard that term, but I like it. Lastly, there is the playing the game side of Warhammer, arguably the thing we spend the least amount of time doing. What is very important to remember is that when we are playing the game, our models serve as game pieces. We use true line of sight, and distances are measured base to base. When it comes to playing, anything goes with basing, so long as it doesn't affect how that game piece interacts with the game. Do models look better when they are based? Yes. Should it be required to play? That would only matter if a tournament organizer says so. I don't think there are any basing requirements more stringent than needing a solid colored base. Easy enough. This brings me to another topic you briefly touched on. You mentioned accidentally getting a bunch of 25mm bases for your Necron Warriors, only to find out they are now 32mm bases. What base sizes should you put on your models? For AOS, GW was nice enough to release a document for each unit as people converted from square bases to the geometrically superior round bases. For 40k, GW has been a bit more coy, and this has caused for some drama. GW says that you can use whatever base sizes a model was supplied with. For some units, they have changed base sizes over the years. Those This poses some problems. This will lead to units with models in it with different size bases as sculpts get updated or get re-released with different size bases. A squad of tactical marines can have models on both 25 and 32mm bases. Terminators are on 40mm bases, but they used to be on 25 bases, 25mm bases as well. I've even seen, at an amazing War Warhammer convention, a squad of bikes that had models in it on rectangular bases. Okay, I don't know I don't know if they were ever on rectangular bases, but I maybe they were. I have seen this used to do things in the game that would not be possible if all the models were using the same base size, and these players justify it by saying it's the bases they came with. This is modeling for advantage and blatant cheating. Prove me wrong. I am of the belief that players should make sure that their models are on on the most up-to-date base size if they plan on playing the game. After all, these are game pieces and the current rules are balanced around ha units having certain base sizes. It's not overly time-consuming nor expensive to rebase your models. Heck, compared to most GW stuff, bases are practically free. <laughs> I recall in 7th edition when the Blood Angels Tactical Squad came out of the box, and they were on 32mm bases. They looked awesome. I could see the writing on the wall, so I went and got some 32mm bases and spent two days rebasing 50 Space Marines, because I wanted them to look dope and future-proof my army for when 32mm bases became more official. Now, I truly do feel for Orc players. Rebasing hundreds of boys is quite the task, but I, I assure you it's worth it. Okay, that about does it for me. I'm not going to go back and proofread this email, so I will have to have faith in the God Emperor that is re relatively coherent. Also, drill your barrels. Warmest regards, Bolters win battles.
Well, bolters win battles. Um, I completely agree with what you're saying. I always, especially when I'm doing proxies, I feel like proxies number 100% have to be on the right size bases, or you really are modeling for advantage. And I do agree that I think it's just best to do exactly what I did when I found out, you know, my old Necron Warriors were on 25s, so when I'm making my new custom Necron Warriors, um, I bought 25s and then realized, oh crap, they're 32s. So then I went and bought 32s. I snapped off the people. I think I had some glued on the 25s. I snapped them off and bought 32s. And I do agree with you. The rules are based, especially the half inch within a half inch nonsense now. The rules are definitely geared towards a certain base size for certain things. And you'll notice that the base sizes keep getting larger. And that does affect how many people can get into combat, especially things like Age of Sigmar, where... I mean, some models, of course, are on 25s, but a lot of them are on 32s. And a lot of models that you kind of feel like shouldn't be on 32s are on 32s. So it seems like they are trying to change the way the game plays as far as um, based off base sizes. And sometimes, you know, base size can really screw you if you've got some big Maul Crusher or something in Age of Sigmar or even an Imperial Knight and you just simply can't fit their base through an alleyway or in a hole or whatever. You just can't do it. So... Of course, you could put them on a tiny 40 millimeter base, you know, with just one toe balancing on that base and go, oh, I can get in. But it's just not the way it should be. So I completely agree with you. Um, I feel like you definitely should have the most up to date bases. I don't know all of. See, like you just touched on, GW doesn't make it super clear exactly when and why they change the base sizes. So, for instance, you just mentioned Orc Boys on 32s. You know, that's news to me because I, of course, had Orcs well before they were on 32s, and mine are still on 25s. And I'm like, oh, they're on 32s now. I did not know that because how am I supposed to know that unless I buy a brand new box of Orc Boys, which I'm not going to do because I already have that army. Why would I buy a new box of Orc Boys? So, you're right. I do feel like they should probably come out with some sort of official document saying, look, Take those old, clunky, tiny Space Marine Terminators and rip them off the 25mm bases and put them on 40s if you're going to put them, if you're going to play them in the new edition. And I don't feel like that's unreasonable at all. So, I think you were uh, well spoken there, and I think that was basically on the email. Yeah, and as for um, actually basing your models, I don't feel like that should be required, honestly. I don't I don't feel like it should be required, but you're 100% right in the fact that it does make your models look finished, and it makes them look much better, and essentially each model becomes a tiny diorama, and you can actually tell some stories and things like that with your basing. So I do feel like models that are not based do look incomplete. Even if you go as lazy as I was with my... Primary Space Marines, and just do all solid gray. I just painted them all gray like it's pavement or whatever, and I've never gone back to rebase them. At some point I will, but I just haven't. So thank you for writing in. I greatly appreciate it. Pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron, and let's get on to the next letter, shall we? We go from Bolter's Win Battles to Juicy Jim, and he writes in at pimpcron at gmail.com. Hey, Pimpcron, this is the second week that I've missed reading your article, and this time I decided to write something to you instead. Last week I sent them a polite email naming myself a regular reader of theirs and explaining why your contributions made their site better, and that I hope to see you there again. To date, I have received no reply. 
Their reasons are their own, of course, but I've had a sneaking suspicion for some time now that Larry wouldn't know fun if it grabbed him by the B-O-L-S. <laughs> uh, I do I greatly appreciate that, Jim. It's very, very nice of you to uh, go to bat for me, and uh, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. They said that they... Here's, here's something for you to puzzle on. Let me just pause this email for a second. They told me last week that my last article ugly 40k models was not in the direction they wanted to go in so i figured oh well i'm expecting a brand new direction this week well i don't go on bell of lost souls unless it's to read my own article comments so um one of my readers that was looking for my articles uh he contacted me and told me hey they uh they replaced your article column with another article this week that said five primaris units we don't want and i'm like is this the new direction? Because I feel like I basically just had that article last week. I don't know. Somehow, ugly 40k models is offensive, it's seemingly. But 40k models we don't want is totally acceptable. I, I have no idea. I, I can't even begin to understand it. But I do appreciate it, Jim, for you writing in. And I've had multiple people contact me and say, where's your articles? And I'm like, I don't know. They decided to mute me for the rest of the month for mysterious reasons so anyway let's get back to this i have been listening to your podcast quite a bit over the last week though so there's a silver lining i'm sporadic at best when it comes to podcast consumption so i'll admit it had been a little over a year since i last checked in <gasps> i've decided to start with the newest and work backward to where i left off i really liked hearing you getting progressively worse with your sylvaneth <laughs> yeah well i am getting better with them so that's kind of funny if you listen to it in reverse also, those Ellen Merritt episodes were fantastic. I did listen to those in proper order. I found all of that super interesting and would definitely have enjoyed hearing a fourth if there was enough content. The history, the technical, technical aspects, and the attitudes and philosophies from the early days of GW were all things I wanted to know. Thanks for providing that. I can only imagine what sort of unsavory acts you had to perform to make it happen. Not that I would imagine that. I bet it was real greasy. <laughs> I don't even know how to take that. I don't even know. Like, ew, greasy is such a gross word. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't have to do anything. I, I contacted Alan, and uh, he was already aware of who I was, um, shockingly enough. I said, oh, I'm Pimpcron, you know, Bell Lost Souls. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. And that, boy, that inflated my head. I was totally expecting him not to know who I was. So that, that was exciting for me. But, um, yeah, Alan was such a great guy. I'll end up having him again on the show at some point, but, um, uh, because he did have, he, he did say he had some other things to discuss. So we'll end up getting that in the works at some point, but for the record, I think it's fine that just James is a lazy sack of excrement, unable to make the most minimal of effort to provide his models with a proper base. Really? I wouldn't judge him at all. For real, though, I did wonder if clear plastic bases would be an easy way to skip my least favorite aspect of painting miniatures and avoid breaking immersion with bases that didn't match the table. In practice, it was exactly as you described, though. Clear plastic isn't invisible. It still looks like they're all standing on something that shouldn't be there. So now they're breaking immersion and looking unfinished and lame. So I suck it up and base my minis like a man. Thanks for putting in the effort. I know pimping ain't easy. Hugs and kisses, Juicy Jim. P.S. You burned a couch in your backyard. Ha ha ha. Fucking Americans. <laughs> uh, well, if you're surprised at burning couches, wait till you hear the Salem Witch Trials. We love to burn anything. So, Ju Juicy Jim, thanks for uh, 
thanks for writing in. I greatly appreciate it. And thanks for going to bat for me once again. I, I have no idea. It's not like we had a falling out or whatever. I have been a very, very consistent and dependable columnist for six years. So I don't know what the deal is. But this new direction is bold and huh, basically the same thing I just said the week before, which is weird. But whatever. What do you do? I don't know. What do you do? So I have been debating on kicking around the idea of a new podcast that's not Warhammer related. So I don't know how that's going to go. I may not end up doing that at all, but I'm thinking about it. So, all right. Well, I will let you go for this segment. We have another segment to get to. Let's do it. Want that or want that not? On this edition of Want That or Want That Not, we're going after a model that already existed, I believe. I don't think this is a new model. Um, It is a Plague Marine Icon Bearer, and you're going to think to yourself, why would he cover a Plague Marine Icon Bearer? It's a single model, it's 30 bucks, like, why? What's so special about it? To be honest with you, I feel like the Plague Marine Icon Bearer is an excellent model. I'm going to come out and say that right off the bat. I find it to be a fantastic model, and there's many, many reasons for this. I feel like this was expertly crafted, and it has a feeling and emotion and a weight to it that a lot of other models don't have. And I know this all sounds silly for an icon bearer, but hear me out. It's a Plague Marine, and he's got the typical, the gas mask bullshit. He's got grenades on his shoulder. He's got mutations, all that. I'm not concerned with any of that. That's all typical fare for Plague Marines. He's got a bolt gun. He's got a backpack that looks like a boiler, which they all do. Okay, we, we get all that. He's holding a banner that is the Nurgle symbol. And number one, I find that to be a very well-designed banner. It's got the three heads, the three circles for Nurgle. And it also, it's got a skull, it has some sort of rock, it looks like, and then it has a symbol of a Plague Marine helmeted head for the third hole. And under that is the two wings for the stylized fly wings that uh, Nurgle always uses. And I find that to be a really cool looking banner. I think it's a really, really great icon banner. I don't know what he does in the game, I don't play Death Guard. But I find that banner to be very, very well designed. Not to mention, I think it's really interesting that it is actually chained to his back, which I also think is pretty cool. Because I often thought, like, what if they drop their banner or whatever? Like, it seems like you carry this big-ass banner around everywhere. And it just seemed like that was kind of a hindrance more than anything. But you could literally just let it drag behind you, which is also nice. But the thing that really strikes me about this model is it's all very well designed. It all looks very nice. He's got a chunk of meat or some sort of head on, uh, hooked on his belt. And he's got the pockmarks everywhere, just as you'd expect. But there is a certain weight to this model and a certain motion that really, really strikes me. And so the way he's looking, he's holding his banner with his left hand and he's kind of turning away from it, like almost like he was walking straight and someone off to his right called him and was like, hey, come over here. He's holding the banner and the banner is he's almost straight armed holding the banner. So the banner's base is near his feet and it's like um, the chains are taut away from him. Like so it's leaning away from him and his hand is almost completely his arm is almost completely straight. And that gives a weight to this sign, number one, because the chains are taut 
and the base of it's near him and it's leaning out and it's just how you would imagine three chains holding a banner would be nice and taut and it's like he was going straight but now he's turning to go right so his right leg is taking a step his knees are bent and his whole body is somewhat turned to the right looking off to the right and I'm always just impressed when a model has weight to it and has movement to it because that's really hard thing to get across visually in a miniature. Obviously, the miniature has no weight, but it's trying to be a representation of something that could exist in real life. And if somebody was literally wearing this armor in real life, it would look like the way this model does. And that sounds so silly and so like, no duh, but whatever they did, and I really can't put my finger on it, whatever they did to produce this feeling of weight and movement or motion in this miniature has been expertly done. And sometimes you see miniatures that are just like blah and they're not interesting and they're kind of monopose and just standing there. This certainly is a monopose miniature, but it is extremely well done. And uh, even though I don't play that army, I can really appreciate that this model looks really good. So that would definitely be a want that for me, but I don't play that army. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey everybody, it's time for Real Talk with the Pentcron, and tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening to this really, I will be discussing how Warhammer has ruined all other games for me. I feel like it's confession time for the old Pimpcron, and you're going to get to hear all about the old suppressed memories from summer camp. That's, that is how it traumatized me. You'll laugh, you'll cry. I, th I feel like you'll mostly laugh. I think I'll probably be doing the crying. The doctor said they had never seen that much large intestine damage. They actually had to ban breeder night at the campus. So, Anyway, uh, you know in my background is... My background as a gamer is basically making board games and card games and things like that since as far back as I can remember. I can't actually tell you when I started doing my own games and making my own rules and things like that. Um, I definitely know I did it as a teen. I definitely know it as a preteen. And even as a child, I remember playing like Payday and not knowing the rules but making our own and playing Risk and not knowing the rules but making our own. And So I feel like I've probably always done that. I'm always uh, bucking the system, I guess. And, um, but I've always been fascinated with game rules regardless, and I collect tons of different game rule books and things like that just to see how they work. I will, I have literally a stack of RPG rule books for Lord of the Rings and GURPS and the 40k Dark Heresy or whatever it's called, and, um, just Mythic System and, of course, Dungeons and Dragons and all of that stuff. And I just love rule books because, it's weird because I love rules and the mechanics, but I'm not like someone that cheeses the rules and I learn the rules just to exploit them. I learn the rules because I'm interested to see how exactly they created the game and how how this world works, this game world works. And um, anyway, so back when I had a regular group of friends that were non-Warhammer friends, most of them were from high school and all that, we would hang out pretty much weekly and play board games and have board game nights. Um, when everyone else was getting drunk and hanging out, <laughs> me and my dorky friends were uh, LARPing with foam swords, not in big groups, but I mean just among ourselves, and going out to bowling and uh, playing board games and having Halloween parties, only during Halloween, not the rest of the year, clearly. 
And that would have been extra sad, right? If we had Halloween parties that, uh, <laughs> not during Halloween. It's like, no, oh, here, here comes Pimpcron's uh, monthly Halloween party. Gotta dress up. I'm gonna be Little Debbie this month. But anyway, I'm I'm digressing into uh, nonsense here. But the point is, I have some board games that I purchased, but it was mostly ones that I had made myself because I loved rules. I loved board games and I loved card games and com- competition and strategy and all of that. Friendly competition, of course. But in the long run, I ended up abandoning playing board games, just like I abandoned my normal friends. I no longer had use for board games when I met 40k, just like my normal friends, I had no use for them. I rounded up all my board games in my car, I drove two states over, and I just left them for dead in the middle of a state park. Just like I did with my normal friends. I know this is going to come off as fanboyism, but... Whatever, I guess. I've been scarred by 40k. I don't mean for it to be fanboyism, but once I started playing 40k years ago, everything changed for me. I loved how I could create my own characters, and chapters, and backstories. There is a sense of continuity from game to game, at least in my headcanon, you know? As my beleaguered army of insert race here, whatever it is, was going from one battle to another to another in this terrible yet fascinating setting, and it really captured my imagination. The narrative aspects and the hobby made my games more meaningful because of all the effort that I had put into them. I try to go back and play board games now, and I'm like, what's the point? Every game is a one-off and has no effect on any subsequent game, and I can't customize my army. I found that these games are really only time wasters in a way, and don't even don't even say that there's some that are, um, what's that term when a board game, it, legacy. Don't even mention legacy board games because it still doesn't really count. If you have a, non, a bunch of non-wargaming friends, you could also call them heretics sometimes. You can break out the board games and let the normies play with that. But the sheer depth and strategy of war games makes perfecting your pizza recipe or mapping a highway system in a game or whatever, it just kind of makes it kind of weak. You can settle Satan or Catan all you want, but the next time you break it out, it's going to need settling again. Isn't that interesting? Like, seriously, though, who keeps unsettling my Catan? It's weird. It's like a mystery force. Anyway, I won't name names because of my far-reaching and ever-powerful podcast influence. I know that most of you devout Pimpcron followers would instantly set fire to any miniatures of any game I don't like. Even as tears streamed down your face and you watched as your favorite minis were consumed by Hungry Flame. So, I won't name names, but I've played a great many war games besides Warhammer, and most of them all fall into a couple categories. Let's listen to them. First off, The problem is, no customization. You pick an army of nearly all named characters, and you play with them. What if I want to make my own character and backstory? Too bad. You've been pigeonholed into just named characters that already have established backstories. I was pigeonholed for real back at summer camp. (laughs) I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) And the lack of options in many games make everyone's army kind of so-so. It's like the same. Um... Really, I'm just going to go ahead and name names. This is Malifaux. Malifaux, they they tried to add some customization into it, but it's basically all named characters. I mean, I know it's technically not all named characters because you have some of the groups of squads of people, but it basically is named characters because they have very specific models 
and they have very specific backstories, and they're associated with a very specific named character, and all of that. I just don't... I used to play Malifaux for a year or two, and it was a good enough game, but I prefer dice rolling rather than cards. And I also never felt... I played uh, Nicodem, and I always want to call him Nicoderm. And uh, Nicodem and whatever his gravedigger buddy is, and the, the zombie punks or whatever... And it just never felt like my army. It's it's might sound weird, but I painted them my colors, whatever I wanted them to, and all that. And it just never immersed me in it. Now, the backstory to uh, Malifaux is really cool, but the game just never sucked me in. Um, another category the games fall into is Hero Hammer. I didn't play it back in the days of um, 40k and Fantasy Hero Hammer, but I heard it wasn't that great. Your, your HQ was nearly a god, and your troops were just merely little speed bumps for your god that you have on your field. I found a certain other game to be very much like that, and I don't like it. I want all of my troops to have an important role, not just my leader, who, chances are, is already named for, for me, and I can't even customize. Now, what I'm really talking about here is, um, maybe they've changed it now, but I was on the ground floor at uh, Wild West Exodus when it first came out. I kickstarted it. I put in a bunch of Kickstarter money for that, and uh, me and Bliggity Blam Steve, a record- recurring name who's actually never been on the podcast in two years, but uh, he convinced me to join Wild West Exodus. Let's get into it. Let's get into it, brother. I'm like, all right, fine. So I get into it, and the heroes are godly, and my troops are shitty for no reason. Like, the troops, to the point where we played a couple games, and I'm like, so why are my troops here? Because the heroes are so darn good. One hero could take on a whole squad of people by himself. And meanwhile, you were required to take troops. You're required to take regular people. But they they sucked. So now I know uh, Wild West Exodus has been purchased. I know they've got new, new additions and rewrites of the rules and FAQ and all that. So maybe Wild West Exodus is no longer like that. But when I was there, it, I, it was not my cup of tea. So if the game lacks customization, and it has a godly hero and your troops are completely meaningless, then the third category the games often fall into is just no backstory at all. You crack open a wargaming rulebook and it's like, once there was a place, but not just any place, a place where things happen to people sometimes. Other times it was totally fine there, but this is not one of those tolerable times I just mentioned. At this moment, terrible things are happening to people, things that they would certainly rather not have happen to them. They're all like, oh no, stop doing that thing, I don't prefer to me and my possessions, but the perpetrators just won't stop. For like a moment they paused and thought about stopping, but then they decided against it. And thus, it begins. That's basically how a lot of these games start. And the given the open world, any genre, whatever of brutality, um, I originally was not going to include any backstory in it. It was just going to be a generic game system for any any models, any genre, any of that. And I was, the brutality setting that you may know from playing brutality is actually my personal setting that I was playing in. Because I was like, okay, I gotta wrap my head around making all of these people from different backgrounds come together for some reason. Why is that? 
And I also didn't like the idea that your characters die this week and then they're back next week. Well, there's got to be a reason for that. And then it kind of snowballed into this uh, kind of terrifying, depressing setting that is brutality. But originally, I was going to just make it a generic system, kind of like GURPS, I think, is a generic system for RPGs, but, um, you know, you can throw it, uh, you can overlay it on whatever setting you want, and that was essentially how Brutality was going to be. But then I got feedback from other people, and they're like, well, I'm not that creative, I need backstory. So then I was like, oh, well, I'll just use my backstory that I've been using. And thus it was born. So you'll see, it's kind of funny, this wasn't the purpose of this whole episode, but... It's kind of funny how this actually does come back to the groundwork for Brutality, because my first complaint is no customization, and Brutality is nothing but customization, from the models to the factions to the stats to the powers to everything is customizable. And then Hero Hammer is the, is the second category that irritates me, when your troops have no point. And really, the um, if you're going to talk about you know flattening the curve as far as power level, uh, Brutality has a huge curve flat flattening uh flat curve a, a curve that's not flat a curve that is flat i don't know i don't know what i'm saying it's not a curve that much because number one everybody's using the same rule set you don't have like oh you play eldar and i play space marines well space marines have a cool codex and eldar suck so i got better options than you do no you all use the same rules so you can pick whatever you want and if something rises to the top and everyone uses it not only are you a cheesy asshole that I don't want to play against, but but also your opponent could still do the same exact thing. So there is no such thing as not knowing what your opponent can do because you got all the same rules. So that's that's nice. And Hero Hammer, even something like a monster in Brutality. And once again, I apologize. I did not mean for this to be about Brutality. But uh, even a monster, which would be a unique in uh, brutality is supposed to be much better than the average person he's still not infallible like you can still kill him with regular people it's just more difficult but he's not some god and the third category no backstory at all well, i already covered that because that's why i ended up doing a backstory now it's funny because um i did not just ditch my friends obviously i should probably clarify that too i did not ditch my friends but we all just kind of fell apart after a while people a lot actually all of them, except for just James, all moved away to different places to get as far away from me as possible. So that's that's what happened there. Um, and I just would not quit telling that camp story about my large intestinal damage. They're just like, please, stop. We've heard it. We've heard it. And I'm like, no, you're going to hear this one more freaking time. But, uh, so they all basically moved away. They were all my high school friends and things like that, and they just... They just kind of separated, got married, moved away, got another jobs, blah, blah, blah. So that's why. But, you know, I do thank God that I found Warhammer because when I started Warhammer, I still had that group of friends. And then I started playing Warhammer more and more. And then they could hang out less and less. And then people moved. And it was a really seamless transition <laughs> into my Warhammer, com Warhammer community. Because uh, otherwise, I don't know what I would have done. I would have had no group of friends. And I would have had to, like, talk to my wife or something. Good God. Who talks to their wife, to be honest? So, anyway. Um, and, you know, just recently, just recently, like in the last maybe two weeks, I have, my kids are finally old enough to be playing board games with. And a lot of times, you know, there's there's a big range of ages there between the four kids. So, we can't play any super complex games and we can't play any 
super simple games. So here is the benefit of having a father that is a game designer at heart. Like we bought, this is going to go off topic, but we, <laughs> I just know where this is going. It's going to go off topic, but we bought Risk Jr. And it was super simple and boring. So I made it a strategy game and made it more like Risk. And it's got just enough strategy that my four-year-old can pick it up. And it's just got enough strategy that it's still fun for my 11-year-old. And then we also got um, Welcome to the Dungeon and Welcome Back to the Dungeon. And I turned that into a cooperative party game where we're delving the dungeon, dungeon together. And uh, so we are changing rules constantly in order to play and have a cooperative or a, a fun experience and not a super competitive one. But anyway, so as far as board games, I do find them inherently, if you're going to talk about like any of the classics like um, Settlers of Catan or Satan, I never know how to pronounce that, or any of them, uh, Ticket to Ride and all that stuff. Now, I've never actually played Ticket to Ride, but they, I just find them unfulfilling. There, there's no customization. There's none of the, any of the things that I mentioned, and it's just kind of boring. Now, the only reason why I'm liking playing board games right now with my children is because it's a great thing to do for the family, and it's basically every single night my kids before bed are like, let's play a game, and then we play Uno, or we play my uh, dumbed-down version of poker I came up with where we bet with, like, M&Ms or something, or Risk Jr. or Charades. Oh, man, kids' charades is freaking fun. Wait till you... God, my four-year-old sucks at charades. <laughs> you know, normally you think about it, and you're like, oh, four-year-olds, they should be great at charades. Oh, yeah, four-year-old, pre- she's probably knocking it out of the park. No, she's pretty terrible at it, and it's hilarious. So, uh, But, you know, it really has given us a chance to do things as a family, which prior to now, we never really played board games together. So this has been a lot of fun, and um, the kids are having a blast. So I would suggest playing board games with with, uh, children. But it's none of the board games you can take seriously. Like, we we used to play board games trivia and stuff like that. And clearly, when your your ages go from 11 to 4, trivia is not, (laughs) not something you can really do easily. But anyway, so I have devolved into nonsense here. But the point behind all of this is that I have played many, many different games, and none of them compare to Warhammer, although I will say that Brutality is probably my favorite game. That's going to sound weird, I understand, because I'm the creator of it, and I'm going to say it's probably my favorite game, but to be honest, I've played a lot of skirmish games, too, um... So the reason why I have a hard time putting Brutality up against Warhammer is that they're in entirely different animals. So you really can't say that I, I like Brutality more or less than Warhammer because Warhammer is a completely different experience. But if I had any choice any day of the week, I'd play Brutality over Warhammer. I would actually do that. But I would be equally excited to play Warhammer if you wanted to play Warhammer instead of Brutality. So it's such a hard call. Anyway, all right, well, thanks for listening to me ramble on about everything under the sun, and this is why I love Warhammer. It's the whole kit and caboodle.